Well, W.E. Gladstone was a prime minister uh, of England for a dozen years. In fact, through his lifetime, he served in politics for over 60 years in the United Kingdom. That was in the 1800s. He has famous sayings. Here's one of them. We look forward to the time when the power of love will replace the love of power. Then will our world know the blessings of peace. Another famous quote that W.E. Gladstone had was, Be happy with what you have and are. Be generous with both, and you won't have to hunt for happiness. Well, one day, this powerful man was approached by a 20-year-old who uh, had great aspirations in his life. And the, and the boy went up to Mr. Gladstone and he said, uh, can I get a moment of your time? Mr. Gladstone said, yeah, that's fine. And the young man said, I desire uh, to go into law school. And Mr. Gladstone said, okay, then what? Uh, then the young man said, well, I, I desire uh, to gain entrance into the Bar of England. Yes. Then what? Well, then the boy said, I want to do great things for Britain. Yes, young man. Then what? Well, th then I, I hope to retire. Take life easy. Yes. Then what? Mr. Gladstone just kept drilling him with the question. Well, well, then, I suppose I will die. And Mr. Gladstone looked at him and said, Yes, young man, then what? The young man hesitated and he said, I've never thought any further than that, sir. And here's what Mr. Gladstone said. He looked at the young man sternly and steadily, and he said, Young man, you are a fool. Go home and think life through. You remember 28-year-old martyr, Jim Elliott? Jim Elliott, when he was in college, here was one of his quotes. It's up here right now. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You can go to the next one. Throughout the latter part of the book of Acts, we see that Paul, several times, uh, has been in dangerous situations. And in some of these situations, Paul uh, runs away from, and some of them he runs toward, depending on, on what the scenario is. Uh, we remember Paul coming in from the third missionary journey. Remember he was warned, don't go to Jerusalem, don't go to Jerusalem, but Paul did. Paul went to Jerusalem. Why? Why was he doing that? It was because he was heeding the, the Holy Spirit. He was listening to God. And when you listen to the Holy Spirit, understanding that, that life is just very, very, very short. All kinds of things change. It doesn't matter if you're, you're six foot five and you're a millionaire or you're a four foot eight teenager who has $12.73 to your name, if you listen to God, if you dig into the scriptures and you listen to the Holy Spirit, 
you equally can make a difference in this world. A difference for the kingdom. Paul just finished uh, arriving at Rome when we finished last week. And, and the apostle, he was permitted to live on his own. To live in his own rented place. Though he was bound by a chain in the company of a guard. Now we don't know if that's literally he was bound with a chain. Some, some places uh, in, in Roman history have them so that they, they actually had uh, a chain to them with the guard. While other things uh, sometimes uh, refer to this more as a, um, uh, a reference, a, a generic metaphor, if you will, to his imprisonment. But, but nonetheless, Paul is going to spend two years at this house. Very similar like when he was with Governor Festus and, and, and Felix in Caesarea, where he had two years house arrest as well. So today's our finale. Our finale study of the actual uh, books and, and chapters and verses of Acts. We will go through a review next week uh, at Easter, but it, it is just interesting today as we're going to watch Paul interact with Jewish leaders two different times. Uh, we're going to see that the gospel's proclaimed, we're going to see lives change, and we're going to see how following the example of Jesus can yield a tremendous amount of fruit. And we'll also see how, how Luke, at the end of this book, abruptly stops. And that's an interesting point, because some people have said that actually there is more to this. There, there is another chapter that's missing. Uh, but I, I think you guys are good students. I think you understand that Luke isn't the real author of this book, but the Holy Spirit is. And uh, the Holy Spirit, I believe, has restrained the historical account for his divine purpose. I like how one author puts it, and this is up here. Biblical history is selective. It is designed to trace only the course of events essential to the balanced revelation of redemptive matter. Very interesting to think about that. Let's ask the Lord to bless our time before we read get into his word. Heavenly Father, Lord, bless our time. May you be honored. May you be praised. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, as I studied this portion of scripture, uh, actually the last few weeks I've been digging into even this last part of the scripture, uh, I saw three things that Paul did that we should probably imitate in some fashion. Three things that we should do when we share the gospel. The first one, the first thing that we should do is when we're going to share the gospel is to have a sense of urgency rather than a spirit of dawdling. A sense of urgency. We're going to start in Acts chapter 28, verse 17. We'll move forward from there. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. Verse 20. 
For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. Did you catch Paul's urgency? He had only been in Rome for a few days at this point. Three days. And he is, he is going to get his ministry started right away. Paul was not a procrastinator. He knew that he was part of something much bigger. Something much bigger than himself. You know, he could have taken a few weeks off. He had just come from a significantly long journey. Uh, he, he was on a very long journey, and, and, and he knew that if he took time off, he was going to lose opportunities to share the gospel. So he didn't. He knew if he dawdled around, that there might be a situation where he could not uh, connect with the Jewish leaders. And maybe they would start a fit around. Have you ever procrastinated? Have you ever dawdled around? I'm guessing the answer is yes. Many of us have lost the sense of urgency in our life. I remember when I was a senior in high school. And, and my buddies and I were gathered around this board. And as we were gathered around this board... Uh, it got very competitive. What was the board? It was a Monopoly board. And we were so focused on, on, on playing this game of Monopoly. In fact, we had a, a, a WWF belt for the champion, that, and that would pass around. You were the world champion. You got to wear that bad boy. We were focusing on that. My dad walks up to us, senior in high school, and he goes, hey, boys. Do you want to talk about the game tomorrow? I've got the scouting report ready. You see, we were getting ready to play in the regionals, our first game. We were ranked ninth in the state, and there was only two classes back then. We were a real good ball club. So we were ready to go. And we said, nah, Dad, we will. We will after this game. If anyone knows anything about Monopoly, after this game, could be hours and hours, and well, we never met with my dad that night to talk over the scouting report that he spent hours and hours preparing. You see, the team we were playing was Plano High School. The first game of the year, we played Plano High School. We beat them by 42 points. We weren't worried. We procrastinated. We dawdled around. We lost the game by six. Worse than that, is the story of, of Colonel Rawl. He was the commander of the British troops in Trenton, New Jersey. He was playing cards back in, back in the war, the Revolutionary War, and, 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 and a guy comes in and he says, Colonel Rawl, Colonel Rawl, I've got an urgent message for you. All right, thank you, son. And he tucks it away in his pocket until the card game is finished. Well, that was a bad decision by Colonel Rawl. Because you see, George Washington just crossed the Delaware River. They didn't have time. He died. Many of his people died with him, and anyone else who was left was captured. Because he procrastinated. How about you? Sitting on an airplane, and you're being nudged by the Holy Spirit, 
to, to actually share the gospel with the person next to you? Uh, not yet. They're, they're going to talk on the, on the loudspeaker. I've I got to listen to that. Oh, oh i gotta, I got to finish this little paper I've got to do. And all of a sudden, three hours later, you find yourself at the baggage claim, and you see that person walking past you. You're like, I totally forgot. You procrastinated. You lost the opportunity. And, and, and it really goes for anything in life, like getting your taxes done, cleaning out the garage, taking care of your marriage, repairing the relationship with your dad, finishing the homework assignment. All of those things are things you can procrastinate on and if you keep leaving them, you keep pushing them along, that's a very practical situation. It will affect you for your ministry because it will be on your mind. There are many times when I'm getting ready to do a sermon or I, I'm, I'm starting my writing process and I have to get some other things done first so I can eliminate that from my thoughts. Stop procrastinating. I'm telling myself that, friend. Stop procrastinating. Let's continue. Not only should we have a sense of urgency when we are sharing the gospel, but we should have a desire to unite rather than divide. A desire to unite people rather than to divide, to, to divide them. Starting with verse 21. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here have reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For the, with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. You see, Paul was not bringing this to the Jewish leaders to somehow create a situation where he could say, Hey, this sect, these Christians, Christianity, what I, I'm a Christian, we are better than you. Well, that's not what he was trying to do. And, and frankly, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. When you're trying to win someone over for Christ, it's not best to somehow create division. You need to try to find where, where there's unity. And, and there, there is going to be division. That, that's the natural world where there is division. There are some people that are believers and some people that aren't believers. And we'll see that at the end of this, that some people went away believing, some people continue to disbelieve. And, and that is normal. That's natural. But the division I'm referring to is the blatant stuff, the blatant division. For example, if someone comes to you, comes to your house, usually they come in pairs, uh, and, and, and they ring your doorbell, and, and, and they want to talk to you about their faith. They want to share about their faith. It, it is If you're a mature Christian, it is not beneficial for you just to come at them and argue with them and, 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 and tell them how they're wrong. What's better is if you welcome them in. Have a cup of coffee and ask lots of questions. And, and, and always, always point to Scripture. Always point right back to the Bible. Just keep pointing back to the Bible. Let them search the Bible. You see, you want to create as much unity as you can. You already have division in your faith. Now you create unity, and it gives you opportunities to actually lift Jesus Christ up because you're pointing back to the Bible. If you're belittling them, 
That, that doesn't help. Paul said it himself to the Romans. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If possible. To accomplish most things, we try to unite. When my kids are in an argument, we bring them together and we try to unite them. If you're, if you're in negotiations, right now we're in negotiations. Uh, I'm a school board member in Newark and, and we're in negotiations with the teachers. We come together and we try to unite. We try to find like things that we can agree on. And, and we, we try to uh, figure out where those things are. In the battlefields, generals, what do they try to do? Divide and conquer. If you can get things in, in smaller ways, then you can create some division and you can deal with them. That's what Satan loves to do, doesn't he? He loves to divide us as a church. Maybe it's over... Uh, Stuff like how you baptize someone. What's that process? If he can get a church arguing about that, he can, he can cause some division. We have seen it over and over pop up around us and, and, and across the nation uh, of where there's a, uh, someone in leadership ha has some sort of sin, some sort of uh, thing that they're doing wrong. And what does that do? It causes ripple effects and rips apart the church. It creates division. On the last night before Jesus was crucified, he had a prayer in John 17, 20, and 21. Here's what he said. He said, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may, may believe that you have sent me. He prayed for unity, unity amongst the believers, uh, that they would love one another. And as he prayed for them, he also prayed for those that will believe because of their teaching. That means you and I are to be one. Unity. That's what he's talking about. That's what Paul was trying to do uh, with, these, uh, with the Jewish leaders. Unity creates belief. Disunity fosters disbelief. When we share the gospel, we should have a sense of urgency. We should have a desire for unity. The third thing, third thing I see in the scripture, if we desire to share the gospel, we need to have a hunger to uncover the truth rather than just sharing our own opinion. That's the third point. A hunger to uncover the truth. Let's go back to the scriptures. Acts 28, verse 23b, until the end. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement, quote, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely hear, and their, ears, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, 
they will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. You see, Paul had studied the scriptures significantly. He, he knew that the group that was coming to him were also studiers, students of the Holy Scriptures. Both of them had, had spent their childhood and teenage years memorizing books of the Bible, really digging in and understanding. In fact, we see that these Jewish leaders, they said, hey, we want to know about your sect. We want to know about Christianity. They gave him a green light so he could come right through the front door. All of them present, except for the Roman soldier, knew exactly what the conversation was going to be about. It was going to be about the scriptures. And that's where Paul stuck. Paul went to the, to the books of the law. He went to the prophets. He stuck with the truth, with a capital T. He stuck with the truth. And I'm sure that some along, sometime along the way, he shared about his experience on the Damascus Road and, and how he saw and met Jesus and how he went blind for a short period of time. You know, yesterday I was talking to Jacob. Jacob was asking questions about what's the difference, Dad, between a Catholic and a Christian? He was talking to somebody at, at work who was uh, telling him about Catholicism. And I said, you know, Jacob, I have several friends that there is not really a big difference at all. I have several Catholic friends that are Christians, that trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But their traditions are a little bit different. Their church settings a little bit different. I said, but generally speaking, a lot of Christian beliefs, they, they give equal weight to, to the word of God and to the church. And there's a, a heavy focus on the sacraments. And, and so I said, but let's just stick with, with looking at the word of God. Let, let's focus in on that. I said, because if any time I have a discussion, especially theologically speaking, when we're talking about God, we're talking about eternity, we have to go to the Bible. You have to go to the scriptures. <clears throat> a simple example would be praying to Mary or the saints. I said, I said, Jacob, if, if I'm having this discussion with someone, I just ask that simple question, where does it tell me to pray to Mary or to the saints? Where does it tell me in the Bible? I said, because I stick with the Bible, because that's God's word. According to the Bible, in 1 Timothy 2.5, it says, for there is one God. There is one mediator between God and man, God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. You see, when you, when you stick to scriptures, all of a sudden, that starts bringing out what the questions or the answers are. Salvation, that's a huge thing in, in the Catholic tradition, it is, is just the understanding of salvation. Salvation isn't by works, isn't done through a process of taking in the sacraments and, and making sure that there's a lot of work done. The Catholic tradition would definitely teach that direction. A Bible-believing Christian uh, would search the scriptures. 
And they would understand that they're justified, that they're redeemed, that they're reconciled, that they're set apart for God's purpose, that they're born again the moment they submit to Jesus Christ because he has given himself for them, because he has died for their sins. All of that is found in scriptures, Romans 5, 9, 1 Peter 1, 18, Romans 5, 1, 1 Corinthians 6, 11, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You see, positionally, Christians are gifted with these things immediately. And then they work it out practically after their salvation. Salvation can't be obtained through sacraments. It can't be obtained through works. Salvation is an accomplished work through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Hebrews uh, 7, 27 and Hebrews 10, 10. They tell us that Jesus' sacrifice was once for all. No more works are needed. That's why Jesus said on the cross, do you remember this? It is finished. It is finished. And I'm not making this stuff up. This isn't my opinion. That's the beauty of it. It is in God's word. It's in the Bible. Our opinion, friends, doesn't matter when it comes to eternity. It doesn't matter. That's why we need to be hungry, hungry to search God's word, to memorize it, to understand it. Too many times, our opinion actually contradicts what the Bible teaches. That's the problem. Our opinions should matter. Our wisdom should come from the 66 books of the Bible. That's where our wisdom comes from. When we share the gospel, we should have a sense of urgency. We should have a great desire to unite the people around us, and we need to be hungry, hungry to uncover the truth, which only happens when we search the word. I want to bring this to a close. I want to ask Tom to come up here. Friends, it, it truly occurred to me that while I was reading these passages, that multiple people's lives changed. Not for today. Multiple people's lives changed for eternity. Look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, And some were convinced by what he said, some others disbelieved. Think about this, okay? Paul's got this whole day planned. They said, okay, we'll give you an appointed date. And so Paul goes, okay, what is it? Tuesday. Sweet. I've got Tuesday open. Paul's at house arrest. He's got every day open. So, so Tuesday comes, and, and somehow Paul has talked the guard into being uh, the greeter at the door. Only Paul could do something like that. While they're coming in, all these leaders have come all around. There's 30 or 40 of them that have come, and they're all coming in. And, and Paul is there mingling amongst them. He's got his watch set for 8 a.m. because he's going to start, because he's got a huge day of preaching, of sharing the gospel. He knows that he's going he's to talk about scripture. He knows they're going to have discussions back and forth. There's going to be a Q&A about Christianity Man, he's got a busy day. Luckily, he got the bread out, and he's got the coffee out. And so they're, they're getting all that. And then right at 8 a.m., man, they start. They're going to go all day. 
And, and so they're, they're having great discussion, and Paul's just teaching from the book of the law, and he's teaching from the prophets, and he's sharing all this information about all the things that the Messiah is coming. Everything he's pointing at, he's pointing at Jesus. He keeps pointing at Jesus. He's never saying his name. He's, he's not talking about Jesus yet. He's just talking about the scriptures, which they all agree on. They're all united. He knows they're going to take a lunch break around 11 o'clock. And, 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 he, and he, he talked to the guard ahead of time who has a buddy, because he couldn't go out and get groceries. He has a buddy who knows a good recipe for pizza. He heard there's good pizza in Italy. And, and so he has pizza delivered. And, and they do a working lunch because they're busy. And during lunch, they do a huge Q&A session. They're sitting around eating all this pizza, and, and they're having a great question. It got a little heated because they're not agreeing with, with necessarily all the things that Paul's saying, and they're not agreeing with each other necessarily. So they get back to work. Paul walks back to his chair, and, and, and they get back into the studying time, and, and they start going at it. It gets dark there. It's probably about April there. Probably about 100 or 1,959 years from today. It gets dark there at 749, according to the almanac. And so as they're sitting there, it's starting to get dark out. They light up some torches and, and, and they're getting things going. And, and Paul stops. And he's like, he's being led by the Holy Spirit. And he said, I've got to share something with you guys right now. I've got to share something with you. He, he starts quoting Isaiah. Go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. You see, these words were so powerful, they knew exactly what he was saying. He was, he, he was saying what all the different prophets and all the different scripture had said. These words were quoted, similar words, Deuteronomy 29.4, Proverbs 28.5, Isaiah 29.10 and 14, Isaiah 43.8, Isaiah 44.18, Jeremiah 5.21, and Ezekiel 12.2. That's just the holy scriptures that they were all familiar with. Luke commented about them. Paul commented about them in Rome. The Gospels comment about these exact words. These are powerful scripture that's saying, hey, you know what? You may not hear what's going on, but some people will because Paul followed up. He goes, okay, listen to the Holy Spirit. He followed up with one statement, and he knew. I talked about unity earlier. He knew that this was going to cause division. And here's what he said. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Oh, this is huge. Paul making his final statement. Literally, uproar goes on. Because they didn't want the Gentiles. Some of these Jewish leaders did not want the Gentiles to believe. He knew that that's why the division happens. But he was making the point, Jesus died not for the Jewish people alone, but also for the Gentiles. He died for the murderer that's down the street. And he died for Paul, who was in prison for two years. And he died for them as Jewish leaders. 
Well, they uh, decided to split at that point. And they walked out the door, and, and they some were disgusted, some were shaking hands, and like, we'll, we'll follow up. This is great stuff. This is wonderful stuff. They loved it because they heard the truth. And, and, and then they start cleaning up. Paul's picking up and cleaning up the stuff. The guard is going around making sure everything's locked up. Paul gets a little fire stoked. It's going to be down about 30 degrees at night. And, and, and Paul has a seat, and, and the guard walks over by him, and he says, Hey, that story you told about when you were walking to Damascus, and you met Jesus of Nazareth, and you went blind, was that true? What, was that a true story? And Paul said, absolutely true. The guard just shook his head. He just couldn't believe what he had heard. And he said, is this just for Jewish people? Just for the people of Israel? And Paul said, not at all. This is for anyone who hears and who believes. That very day, the guard sat down, looked at Paul, and he couldn't even speak. And Paul said, are you ready? The Roman guard looked at him and said, for what? Are you ready to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord? and Savior. He said, yes. I'm ready. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. That night, that Roman guard, who was assigned there for a 24-hour period, and then he was off for 48 hours, he was appointed at that place for the first time ever in his life. He had been around something like that gave his life to Jesus Christ. Now, friends, I don't know if that really happened. But that's the way it happens. That's the way it happens. All those Jewish leaders, they didn't realize that their eternal lives would be changed at that moment in time. The, the, the half of them, or however many of them, gave their lives to Jesus Christ, when they walked into, or they're walking to Paul's, they had no idea that their eternal life, their eternal life, was going to change that moment. The guard had no idea. And that's the beauty. That's our second point. We need to devote ourselves to prayer and Bible study. And when we do, three things happen. And the first one is we can trust the Heavenly Father is going to appoint our connections. He's going to appoint uh, uh, the times that we're with somebody else. It's called divine appointments. There was a divine appointment for the leaders in our story that met Paul that day. In 1990, there was a divine appointment that I had to be in that kitchen with Janae to hear the gospel. My 82-year-old friend Bob, there was a divine appointment for me to be at the hospital that night. The Bible says in Psalms, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. 
in the book of John, chapter 9, we, we, we hear a story. Jesus is walking by, and, and his disciples, and they're walking by, and they look, and they see a blind man, and the blind man is just standing there, and they say, they knew he was blind since birth. And, and, and the disciples, what do they say? They say, hey, did he sin, or did his parents sin? What did Jesus say? This is absolutely amazing, friends. He said, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. The man was born blind, and yet his whole life seeing darkness for one reason, so God could be glorified. So God could be glorified. God loves to get the glory. He loves to get the glory. He appoints the connection. Second, we can trust that the Holy Spirit to lead our conversations. And as we study God's word and we bow to pray before the Lord, we're going to continue to gain confidence that we can just heed the Holy Spirit. That we can just trust that the Holy Spirit is going to be the one who's speaking. Luke chapter 12, verses 11, 12. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself and what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. I was in college, and I, I, I was a new believer a couple years in. I just started reading the Bible, and I remember I had that, the, the phone that actually is attached and a super long cord, and, and my buddy called me from... From Newark, I was down in Jacksonville, and he wanted to talk to me about spiritual things. I had no idea what to say, but I, I took that phone and went into the bathroom because my roommate was in there, and I'm sitting on the floor in the bathroom with that long uh, phone, and, 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 and I remember, I mean, I visually can see it right now. I remember saying, God, I have no idea what to say to him. Give me the words. I need them. And he did. I don't know what I said. I don't know what, what was the outcome. But all I do is I remember I was like, that was amazing. That wasn't me. And even to this day, as I prepare messages, I have no idea the direction I'm going sometimes. And as I sit down to write my outline, which is going to guide the rest of my sermon, I'm like, I need you, Holy Spirit. I need your words, not my words. I need your words. Is when my message is poor, he gets the credit. When my message is awesome, he gets the credit. It's not me because I'm leaning into the Holy Spirit. I'm trusting him. Jesus modeled this exactly for us. Remember that? He was he was guided into the wilderness, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was. Uh, put into a crisis situation and Satan was coming at him and the Holy Spirit gave him words. The exact words to speak each time. And finally, we can trust that the Holy One, that Jesus Christ has already anointed us as believers to proclaim the good news. This is the last point. 1 John 2.20 says, But you have been anointed by the Holy One that's Jesus. And you all have knowledge. Everyone who is a Christian has been anointed 
from Jesus Christ. That's what the scriptures teach us. One author put it this way. One of the defining marks of every true believer is that Christ, God's anointed Holy One, has touched us with his anointing, his spirit, and caused us to know. As you pray and as you study the word of God, the Holy One reveals himself through the Holy Spirit. That's the beauty of it. We are anointed to carry the message that Jesus gave us. The question is, will you do that? No matter how young, no matter how old, will you allow the Heavenly Father to work through you? Will you allow, allow the Holy Spirit to guide you into those divine appointments? I've said it a, a, a dozen, two dozen, three dozen times from the pulpit through these last four years. Are you looking for those opportunities? Are you praying for those opportunities at the gas station and at your friend's house and, and at, the, uh, at the restaurant? Are you praying for those opportunities, for those divine appointments? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you as you interact? Will you allow the anointing that you have received from Jesus Christ to give you the power, the desire, the strength to share the gospel? That's what Paul did throughout his ministry. That's what he did uh, the whole time. And it was for one reason. So he could bring glory to God. You see, the book of Acts isn't a book about the apostles. It isn't a book about church. It isn't a book about some missionary journey. The book of Acts is about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and his power. And, and what he did through people to spread his good word. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen?